Sick Harrison Price for Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. Coming to you from the Go-Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center downtown Vancouver, where the Sick Harrison Price rate is back. Some blackout dates apply based on availability, but if you're looking for a local getaway, Valentine's Day game night, call the wall, 604-331-1000. Matt Sick Harris alongside Blake Price, Grace Asset and Switches conducting things alongside intern madison buckingham we've got a big show planned for you and it's all brought to you by applewood auto group and applewood kid in surrey wants to get you into the electric frame of mind how about the 2024 kia nero ev and the ev6 coming with a complimentary ev charger or a complimentary set of winter tires whatever you have in mind for this particular kia nero go check it out applewood kia in surrey it's all good at applewood whole question today asking you who scares you most? Edmonton, Vegas, or nobody? You can vote at Sikerson Price on Twitter and YouTube. This after the Vancouver Canucks forged a 3-2 victory in Carolina against the Hurricanes and then the nightcap. And I, I sure hope sure hope people stuck around for Oilers and Vegas. I hope and so too. Nights. That was a good hockey hell game. of a hockey game from Sin City. More on that in a second. Let's get to the poll. Here's where I'm at. I voted nobody. Just because it's a little early for me right now. I want to see where these teams are at in 32 games. I want to see where the injury situation is and whether the Vancouver Canucks can continue with this competitive edge that they have. We've heard Coach Talkett talk recently about you know players buying into their press clippings. So I think he understands one of the next hurdles is that this team doesn't get too big for its britches. For the moment, it looks like it's going to be competitive in the Western Conference and in the Pacific Division to finish first. So that is something that I think Tockett and the club can ride. But I would be worried a little bit about the foot off the gas for a team that knows it's going to the playoffs and really hasn't been through any of this before. Yeah, it's, uh, it is a little bit frightening to look at the gauntlet that is in the Pacific Division right now. Um, I think everybody's a little bit imperfect. The Vegas Golden Knights have had injury issues, so I think you do need to buy some time there a little bit to be fully afraid of them. So I'm not voting them in the the poll question. The Oilers scare me currently, but I need Stuart Skinner to show me over a much bigger sample size that he can be this kind of a, a goaltender and especially come playoff time. And ultimately, the Oilers have had two faces this season. And granted, the coaching change, you know, maybe a big part of it, but they've got structure right now. Heck, you know, Darnell Nurse is looking like a decent defensive defenseman right now. Things like that are changing. So, you know, it, if the Oilers look like this right till the end of the season, that would scare me. Yeah. I, I think if you force me to answer one of those two teams, I would go with Edmonton. Just because, and we've talked about it many times before. Look, uh, we, we've seen repeat Stanley Cup champions in the cap era now, Pittsburgh and Tampa. And of course, Rutherford and Alvin were part of that Pittsburgh club. But the long history of the National Hockey League, stars of the order of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl typically win Stanley Cups. Yeah. And so is this the year for Edmonton? Well, they've got to get over the Vegas hurdle because they have been blocking these two great Oiler stars from even getting to a cup final. They haven't got there yet. But, yeah, at some point I would suspect that McDavid and Dreisaitl break out. All right, let's get into it. 3-2 victory at Carolina. 73 points now, first in the National Hockey League, clear of the Boston Bruins 
who lose to Andre Kuzmenko and the Calgary Flames. More on him in a second. So two up on Boston and five up on Dallas and Colorado. And all of these teams have played 50 games, so that's very tidy for you as well. No more having to look at games in hand, or at least not for today. 14 consecutive hockey games with a point for the Vancouver Canucks, Blake. You've done the math over how many points the Oilers actually made up on Vancouver during their 16-game winning streak, and the answer is five. Mm -hmm. 17 games. They they both have played 17 games since the last Oiler loss, December the 19th. So it's actually a really easy equation to look at. 16 Mm -hmm. and 1 now for Edmonton since then. Canucks 12, 2, and 3 since then. So you rip off an almost historic right. run of play for a long stretch, too. Mm-hmm. And you've got a five-point cushion to show for. Yeah. Well, and I'll do you one better. Over the last 10, they haven't picked up a single point. Yeah. 9-1 and one for the Oilers, 18 points. 8-0-2 oh, for the Vancouver Canucks for 18 points. Also loved what Tockett had to say. He was a member of that 92-93 Penguins team. You know, I hate it when guys say, oh, I hope they break our record. Nah, (laughs) he's a competitive son of a gun. He didn't want them to break their record. Of course, those Penguins teams uh, could play two ties, right? They had overtime then, but you could. And then I also like what Butch Goring said of his Islanders team, that dynastic Islanders team in the 80s about, well, we ran off 15 in a row and they didn't get overtime, right? Yeah, it, it is. A, so it's it's a you know they were pursuing a streak with an asterisk based on the way the NHL is now formatted, with winners in each and every game. It is a tough comparison to make historically because you have a winner every night. So it's it's a, it's very different. What what surprised me looking at that all time list is the Columbus Blue Jackets. I don't remember. <laughs> Them ripping off 16 wins in a row in 2016-17. Is that the torts era? Yeah, I think it might have been. Okay. I think I I don't either, but of course I don't remember very much Columbus Blue Jackets. They have not been a memorable, uh, a memorable franchise or story. Let's get to our top story today, and it's brought to you by Mr. Lube, Elias Lindholm, his Vancouver Canucks debut. Two goals, both net front tip-ins, and the first one is going well wide. So that's an extraordinary goal to score. And against his old team, of course, not his most recent team, the Calgary Flames, but the team that drafted him and brought him into the National Hockey League like immediately after taking him, what, fifth overall in 2013. So you know, we talked to Frank Corrado yesterday about his role as the net front power play guy and wow instant dividends paid i i hope that he didn't have his a game because he was in raleigh i hope that's just his game uh but it probably made things a lot more comfortable for him and he was i i thought he was good in every facet honestly uh from blocking shots to just reducing gaps like there was just there wasn't much lacking in his game and you just think about the addition and subtraction. And I know Kuzmenko had an okay game for the Flames and he scored and and all that is true. But for the most part, most nights as a Canuck this year, he was a black hole somewhere in the lineup, oftentimes alongside your best player in Elias Pettersson, to just know 
there's no black hole there that you're getting a complete player alongside Pedersen. I mean, it's honestly, if you're a Vancouver Canuck fan right now, you're exhaling. You're thinking, okay, huge item off the to-do list. And we're going to hear from Elias Lindholm here in a second. He led uh, all Vancouver Canucks with three block shots and went 50% in the face-off circle. And that's our top story brought to you by Mr. Lube. It's 100% Canadian. You know, it was started in Edmonton by a father and son team. So the I wonder if the son called his dad Mr. Lube. I mean, that would seem mm-hmm. it would seem appropriate. It's a warranty-approved oil change. And, of course, they also do tires uh, and uh, tire sales with no appointment needed. So you always just drive up to Mr. Lube. 16 locations, one near you. Go to MrLube.com. Here's the new guy wearing number 23 on his first goal as a Vancouver Canuck. No, it was uh, obviously a little relief. Uh, you know, obviously playing with uh, there's a lot of good players on this team and, and you know, um, you know we're, we play well today, and, and obviously it was a nice, nice shot by uh, Huggy there, and, and obviously got a piece of it. So it was nice to see you going. I'm always amazed at how hockey player gets traded to a new team and instantly has the nickname. Have down. to, yeah, Huggy, Absolutely. yeah. And I think he's giving Huggy a little too much credit there. I'm not sure it was a nice shot; it was going wide, but he got a stick on it, and it goes in the net. Two assists for Hughes, two assists for Brock Besser. In this game, let's hear more from Elias Lindholm because, yeah, he was a little bit nervous in his first game as a Vancouver Canuck. I felt pretty good. Uh, you know, obviously kind of nervous before the game. Uh, a lot of new things. and uh, You know, uh, but, uh, you know, I felt pretty good. Um, I thought that we played pretty good. And, and obviously it was, uh, it was a tight game, uh, playoff-like game. Um, they're a good team. Uh, we're a good team. So uh, not a lot of room out there. But uh, we stuck with it and, and got the two points. That's all, all, all that matters. Playoff-like game, um, I think, is a good encapsulation of what we saw in Raleigh. The shot's 24-19 for the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, they do a fantastic job, Carolina does, at repressing opponent shots. They're best in the National Hockey League at that. A lot of it has to do with the style of play that they employ under head coach Rod Brindamore of Campbell River. Of course, they are forever pressuring the puck, and that can sometimes create... Um, well, not the cleanest or tidiest hockey. It's hard to make those crisp passes when you've got Hurricanes all all over you. But And they were going to push back because they were out shot 13-8 in the first period. And so you Lots. knew you knew they were getting a talking to from Brenda Moore and that they were going to mm-hmm. come out better in the final 40, and they did. Well, and of course the Canucks didn't put a whole lot of pucks on net no. after that. But for Lindholm, too, I, I think he's nervous because you, you, just, you don't want to leave things – lingering with a new team like you're always going to have a, uh, a slump you're going to have a five games drought where you don't score a goal you just don't want that out of the shoot yeah. with the new club you don't want that hanging over you so i think it allows you to exhale as a player and and to know that you got all that ice time as well um and played in all multiple situations um i i think you exhale and think okay i'm trusted mm-hmm. here i had a good game and now I can just be me. And in terms of a playoff game, I mean, we wonder about the All-Star hangover. That wasn't there. The Canucks with chances galore in the first period. The massive hit from Nikita Zadorov on former Canuck, Jalen Chatfield. The shorthanded goal after the Canucks make a hash of that opening power play. You wonder what Lindholm was thinking on that first power play. Like, guys, can we just get possession here? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to stand my post in front of the net. Uh, how about Vancouver blocking four shots in the final 90 seconds? Lindholm is on that list, as is Elias Pettersson, Teddy Bluger, Dakota Joshua. They protect the lead. They get out of there with two points, do not need to go beyond regulation. 
And Thatcher Damco ties Dan Cloutier a franchise record with his ninth straight victory. Today, I believe, can I turn my head at the acquisition anniversary of Dan Mm -hmm. Cloutier. So he's all over uh, Canucks history now. And, you know, that's just an unbelievable stat. I don't know that um, it was Demko's, uh, you know, masterpiece. Right. But sometimes playoff hockey is going to be like that, where it's a muddy game for a little bit. And then you have to face two glorious chances out of nowhere that you haven't seen in 20 minutes. And you got to be at your best. And. Again, we're going to be reminded about a lot of things like that, the nuances of playoff hockey when the Canucks get there this season. You know, we haven't had a whole lot of it to analyze in the last 10 years. And little things like that about how, as a goaltender, you got to be patient. you got to be ready for the chances that just spring up. And sometimes they're glorious chances. Uh, but Demko's passing all those tests right now, and the Canucks just keep on winning on the road. Hostile atmospheres, and, and they're going to – Face it again on Thursday versus the Bruins. Well, we're on to Boston. Is it a Stanley Cup preview, Blake Price? So last night, in between the two games, promos coming on because it's a televised game again nationally on on that day, Mm -hmm. I believe. And that's how they're billing it. Yeah. Uh, 20, 20 block shots on the night for the Vancouver Canucks. That is playoff hockey. When Lindholm talks about new things, now, part of that could be playing some right wing, although he took more face-offs than Elias Pettersson. Um, that may also well be the exacting, specific way that Rick Tockett wants these Vancouver Canucks to play. It's going to be interesting to hear uh, more from pretty good talker, too, like a guy who's uh, um, is accustomed to being a frontline player and yeah, so being, sure. yeah. being out there and in a Canadian market. As well, speaking of Canadian markets, the Calgary Flames with a 4-1 victory over the Boston Bruins in Boston. And it takes our old friend Andre Kuzmenko all of 4 minutes and 20 seconds to get his first goal as a Calgary Flame. Now, I always thought 420 a number more associated with Vancouver than Mm. Calgary. But nobody tell Nikita Trampkin that his Mm. fellow Russian was scoring at 420. Uh, One of the things, and we talked about it, Going into the trade, because Kuzmenko was so clearly on the block, we talked about it after the trade, and really, I sense that Canuck Nation has kind of got a consensus, if not unanimous on this. Andre Kuzmenko may very well go out and be a very productive hockey player for the Calgary Flames, and it just wasn't going to happen here, and so that's okay. And if the Flames happen to win something in this trade because Kuzmenko fits that Ryan Huska system better in southern Alberta, so be it. Wasn't well, going to happen here. And Huberto wasn't setting up Kuzmenko all night, but Huberto seemed to have what some are saying might be his best game ever as a Flame. Um, you know, if it if it livens up their forward set, I wouldn't be surprised if Kuzmenko's a big part of that. Um, you have to be careful if you're a Canuck fan of, of uh, holding that candle for Kuzmenko too much because – if he's helping the Flames get back into a playoff race, it means that you can't get Tanev. <laughs> they're probably not trading well, Chris Tanev. Oh, I don't if know. If they're though. pushing with, towards with, the playoffs, with Hannafin being a UFA as well, and and there seems to be a, a little movement on that file, I, I I I do wonder. Look, you think they deal Tanev if they're one point out of a playoff berth? I don't know. I think they have to move either Hanif or a Hannafin or a Tanif before losing them for nothing to be the second wild card. I mean, I, if not both, Blake. I mean, that's, I think you're Craig Conroy there. Your first, 
Yeah, it's your first year on the job. You've got some leash. You've got some license. I wholeheartedly agree that you should do that. But the problem with Conroy is he's pulled off a deal in which he thinks he's done pretty well with with, with this Kuzmenko tra- uh, Lindholm trade. Oh, he has to know he's not a better team. Lindholm for Kuzmenko? No, but going forward, it gives him assets going forward. He's stocked the cupboards. He's got picks, all that sort of stuff. Mm. He's he's very happy with the trade. I think he has reason to be pleased with the trade, given Lindholm was probably not resigning. Mm-hmm. But he makes that trade, and he's still in the thick of things and in winning hockey games. I think he might think, "Oh my gosh, I've I've had my cake and I've eaten it too." So uh, we'll see. I, I still think I've had the realization here as I dreamt of the playoffs and covering the playoffs again. I mean, the Canucks could really, and Canucks fans could have their cake and eat it too as well in terms of playoff matchups. I don't know that there's a bad second-round matchup for the Canucks right now because it'll probably be against the Oilers or the Golden Knights, both of which I think are pretty tantalizing storylines. And there's still a possibility they face the Kraken in the opening round. Yeah. Like, they're right there. They need to get a little bit hot. I think they need a bit of a hot streak, a 7-3 and in their last 10 kind of hot streak. Yeah. But Canucks versus Kraken? In the first round, after all this all this time of waiting, I mean that'd be a lot of fun. And the Canucks are down in Seattle on February twenty second to take on take on the crack. And I don't know, we'll we'll see about Seattle. I mean, Decord did a nice job for them there for a while, but you, you wonder. Oh, they've uh, got holes. They yeah. have the goods. Uh, we should also mention that Lindholm, um, on top of his work as the net front power play guy, did feature as a penalty killer for the Vancouver Canucks. We thought that would be the case as well. 50 seconds, so, so not um, not the most used guy, but was out there for the first shorthanded shift and and wound up settling in with Nils Oman. So there you have the lefty-righty uh, duo to take the mm-hmm. uh, face-offs. Uh, of course, Bluger and Joshua have been a penalty-killing duo for the Canucks all season. Pedersen, McKayef, like suddenly, I was thinking, Blake, all the time we spent early in the season wondering about that penalty kill because it was so historically bad last year. And you kind of your cup runneth over here with penalty killing forwards. They've By the way, that blue a lot girl, of options. That Bluger line, great again last night offensively. Like they should have had two or three. Oh, absolutely. So if that's what if that's what a quiet night on the score sheet looks like for them, then I think you'd take that every day of the week. Yeah, and um we we talk about the exacting way that Rick Tockett wants the Vancouver Canucks to play and just all the uh, astonishing stats about this team this season. Did you see what Mike Kelly tweeted yesterday? What the and, rush chances? Yeah. yeah. The Vancouver Canucks tied for first in the league in goals, 32nd last in rush chances. So the deeper dive, apparently, <laughs> when you do the deeper dive on that, is that the third, uh, you know, amongst the lower, the, the low quantity, let's say, Let's say, just for the sake of ease, they've got 100 chances, and the teams below them in the top 10 have got 300 rush chances. Apparently, because of the structure and the way that the Canucks play, the ratio of high-danger rushes to low-danger rushes favors the Canucks. When they get the chance, and just just anecdotally within yourself, ask yourself how many two-on-ones and breakaways the Canucks get. They don't get many. No. Well, and that's because they're playing below the puck. Yeah. Right, they're not cheating. They're not, not cheating. blowing zones. Yeah, uh, and I think that's one of the things that's got to please Talkit and the coaching staff the most is that the team has heeded the word that if you take care of your business on the defensive side of the puck from the center line to your goal line, you're going to get opportunities in the offensive zone, 
it just may not necessarily be off the rush that you methodically are going to transport that puck into enemy territory. They're a big chip and chase team. Get in on the forecheck, regain possession, and score your goals that way. It's as you see, there was two thirty nine rush chances. Um, it, 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 and there's really highly skilled team. They've got six all stars for heaven's yeah. sake. So you know when they get those opportunities, yeah, they, they've probably got a better chance than a lot of other teams of of closing those opportunities because they're yeah. a highly skilled offensive yeah, team. Yeah, and they don't need the chances because they're going to play with the puck so often in the offensive zone and via the forecheck and a good structured system that excels in regaining possession after it's been dumped or chipped in. H8N on uh, on YouTube is saying, just watch McJesus and, and Leon cheat big time last night. It's unbelievable, the Oilers. Now, they were pretty stout defensively. I'll give them credit for that. But you're right. I mean, the big names, the the big four on the Oilers are always poised to explode. Oh. The, the well, chances they get, unbelievable. But but honestly, Blake, if I had a frontline player with Connor McDavid's speed, I'd be okay with that too. Oh, like he, yeah. That you've got to coach to your talent to some degree. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's great to have a system, but you know the essence of coaching is understanding what you have and then framing a structure or a system around the specific talent. You know, Edmonton mm-hmm. has a magnificent player there who just skates like the wind and can stick handle and do things at high speed that I don't think we've ever seen before. Like if Pedersen had McDavid's wheels, exactly. he would get the same thing exactly. afforded to him. You know, so. Yeah, if, if right, uh, spot on. I want to bring up a name for you uh, because he was talked about on TSN Insider Trading last night. I don't believe there has been... Uh, much talk about this player in Vancouver, but uh, Pierre Lebrun reported that the Buffalo Sabres are going to have a chat with Eric Johnson. Uber veteran. Yeah. Be 36 years old in March, unrestricted free agent to be, uh, right shot defenseman, making 3.25, but I would suspect there's a retention possibility there. Now, he's not an offensive guy in the least, just the three goals and three points in 42 games. He's playing 14 minutes a night for the Buffalo Sabres. I bring the name up, Blake, just because when you take a look at the profile defenseman they went out to get this past summer, Carson Soucy, Ian Cole, bigger guys, guys who could play the right side. In the case of Cole, a Stanley Cup champion, right? And, of course, that extended to Teddy Bluger and some of the other additions uh, LeBron reporting they're going to have a conversation the Sabres with his agent and see if he if he um, if he does want to be traded. Yeah, and obviously a huge playoff veteran, fifty five playoff games in his career, so he's been there, done that. I mean, if it's actually if, that's not a whole lot. He played on some bad St. Louis teams I, and then into, uh, but he did win with Colorado. Oh, he was with Colorado, but yeah. he was also often injured. Is the is the problem? But. Um, Hey, if it's not costing you much as as your well, that's, guy, yeah, by all means. That's it. I mean, uh, Tuesday we talked about, you know, all in trades that you can make and some of the bigger fish, and we've talked about Tanif and, and uh, Vetrano and some others that are going to cost you a significant return. But if we're starting to look at depth pieces, that's, that's an interesting name because he's well-known. He's known as a locker room leader type. Again, the cup pedigree. 
and everything like that. So, you know, you've got to balance those sorts of considerations. And again, against guys like Nick Sealer who don't really have that on their resume. I've been yelling this nonstop. If you're planning on going three rounds, minimum, if not four. Right. Like, you're getting to the eighth guy. He's, and, he's playing four games. And, <laughs> you know, it, you like, know if, if you're looking at the, the – you don't want to have to play the lefties on the right side. Talkett and Foot have shown they no. don't love that, and so I think you're looking at a right-shot defenseman. Yeah. If you are looking at a depth piece for, uh, for the Canucks at the deadline. I wanted to get to this as well. Continuing our discussion yesterday – with regards to these four NHLers and former Canadian World Junior players um, who are facing sexual assault charges in London, Ian Kennedy of the Hockey News tweeting, odds that the NHL was able to conclude if the teams who signed these players knew of the sexual assault and did nothing. The NHL doesn't like to tell us about the investigations it undertakes or doesn't undertake, it does. It has said we are doing a larger scale investigation of the incident in London, Ontario. Ian wonders, you don't get cap relief for a player in the assistance program, but alleged sexual predators help your cap situation. Yeah, there's 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 a an incongruency there for sure. Mm-hmm. Like if you, again, if you want people to be forthcoming and take part in. The honesty program here, right. like it's uh, that is a weird one. And I know that the players, under guidance from their attorneys, have shared very little, if anything, with their member clubs. But if you're a member club, does that not, in and of itself, trouble you? But but here's the thing: if you're a person capable of doing that, and the club is investigating you, are you inclined to tell them? Every dirty detail of that—it's—it's it's your employer. Oh, your lawyer has told told you to shut up, and or, you're or or lie, or what, or mm-hmm. whatever. It's different when the cops are showing up, right? Mm-hmm. Then you feel a little bit more intimidated to make sure that right. that you're you're coughing up the truths. Then there's this uh, Colorado Avalanche defenseman Kale McCarr, who was a member of that 2018 World Junior Team, was asked about everything that's happening on that file. This was his response. It's tough. I've been told not to comment on that ongoing investigation. I've been straightforward from the start. I wasn't there. It was a very fortunate bounce to not obviously be a part of something like that. I'm just going to leave it to the people who are handling the work right now. I can't stress enough that I wasn't a part of it. The it was a very fortunate bounce to not obviously be part of something. Was he like not at the? There's a few players that weren't even at the well, golf tournament. Yeah, who were? Was he and one and of this was a summer celebration. Yeah. I, I I think that's what he's saying. Yeah, I, I didn't hear them. I've only seen them written, uh, so I don't know the entirety of the con, uh, context. Jay Fresh Hockey says an insane quote on two levels. Number one, how could you think it's a good idea to say, "Yeah, I'm lucky I wasn't at the event, so nobody would suspect that I was involved." Two, how do you let a hockey cliche slip out in a context where, where you should be picking your words so very carefully? And he's not the only one who has taken a look at this and went, hmm. It's the wrong tone, but I, I get what he's saying. He's saying, I I, I don't have to face the questions because I wasn't even there. Like, like he's got he's got nothing that he can add if he wasn't there. So I, I, I get where he's coming. It, the turn of phrase 
mm-hmm. puts a um, a more flippant tone to it. I don't think that's what he meant. But, um, yeah, I can understand how it reads like that a little bit. Okay, uh, back on the Canucks on a second here, for a second here. Are you anticipating a fiery game in Boston? Well, if I if I didn't see what I just saw, I would have said no. But the Bruins on home ice, embarrassed by the Flames, I I think they're gonna have. I mean, gosh, don't they don't they almost want to bring up twenty eleven? Don't they almost want to say, listen, this team is gonna be. Trying to exercise demons for the, for I mean, you build this game up if you're the coach, and 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 I think you might want to manufacture some rivalry here to try to smelling salt your team a little bit here because they were not good last night. And honestly, when I think back on this Canucks schedule, Blake, we haven't seen a lot of fiery, chippy games, have we? No, no. They've survived the ones that have that have reared their heads. But, but we haven't seen sort of an all heck breaks loose game, have we? Um, the, honestly, what the first one that comes to my mind is Liam O'Brien and the Coyotes. That's right. <laughs> but that would be the one. Kind of an inconsequential game, big picture for the Salt Lake Coyotes. Well, and and <laughs> more on that in the show. It just when we look at these next thirty-two, that Leafs to uh, Canucks game Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. That's a good call. Okay. That's a good call. That one was closer to some real jam too. So yeah, um, yeah that one. That Toronto, one, Arizona. So like two of fifty. Was one of the Philly games a little bit chippy? Maybe a cup, maybe three yeah, or four. Knackney doing something. I can't remember. So the my, Oilers, one of the Oilers games, that was McDavid Moore having. That numbers. was the second game of the season. Uh, no, in Edmonton. the third game. Oh, the third game, the third, right? The second right. game at Rogers okay. Arena. Miller and McDavid maybe I've been blinded by all the winning, but it just though those sorts of incidents, those sorts of games haven't really stood out this year or haven't been in great numbers. I think if you're talking to the coaching staff, you want every sort of variety of a playoff game that you can get between now Completely. and the end of April. Yeah. Like the really nasty one, the really tight checking, low scoring one. It's unlikely to happen at a conference, though. So. Like, I, I doubt you'll see vitriol out of conference. It's not impossible, mm-hmm. but I don't think the next four here on the road are likely candidates outside of Boston wanting to use this as as the same thing, as a, as a playoff template for themselves. They might be in more desperate need for that right now than the Canucks, who continue to walk over the best teams in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Like, remember there was a time when people were like, oh, the Canucks have had an easy schedule. They're tops in the league because they've played all the bad teams they've walked over every good team of late. Now I, I think Boston might be using the Canucks as a, guys, are we ready for the playoffs? Let's mm-hmm. let's test ourselves here. But in terms of going forward, I think you're going to see if the Jets are struggling coming up on the 17th. You know, like that game could have some jam to it. If the Red Wings are on the bubble again, um, you know, they, they, they've got two versus the Red Wings. I think the back half of the month presents bigger opportunity, obviously, with L.A. and Seattle and the Avalanche. Yeah. It is National Girls and Women in Sports Day, and I want to shout out Ashley Stevenson of the Vancouver Canadians, who has been elected to the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame in St. Mary's, Ontario. There's a ceremony this summer, so congratulations to Ashley. We'll have more on Canada's women's basketball team, who have an enormous week ahead of them. In hashtags. That's but, every day in my house, by the way. 
<laughs> women in sport day. Well, if, if, <laughs> driving over hell's half acre with my girls to practices and such. Blake got through two children who played sports, but it wasn't too demanding on mom and dad in terms of driving. It was really just all. my son we focused on early. Yeah. My eldest didn't really play a ton of sports. Right. And then the younger two came around, and one of them has turned into a national-level field hockey player, and the other's a competitive hockey player. Well, and field, too. We only had one kid last weekend, and she played (laughs) six games and had one practice over two and a half days. It it was a lot, so that's why I joke. Let's get to today's menu, and it is brought to you by Seagram's VO Select Canadian Whiskey, originally introduced back in the early 1900s, Seagram's VO was designed as a wedding gift from Joseph E. Seagram for his son. Barrel set aside in a warehouse specifically marked VO, the family's very own whiskey. Joseph E. Seagram liked it so much, put it on the market. The rest was history. Seagram's VO, select Canadian whiskey, artfully blended, impeccably crafted. Make it your very own. We are going to talk to John Shannon coming up. We'll get to some hashtags, as mentioned. The best and worst of Twitter, including Hockey Canada taking a shot at the BCHL. Rob Williams, Rob, the hockey guy, stops by. Um, Some interesting topics with Rob, including a 2011 Bruin who wants to see the Canucks win a cup. There's some context there. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk some BC Lions as well after a busy day in CFL free agency. Let's get to our best bets uh, presentation of Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook and casino. You want me to get started or do you have one? Well, go ahead if you want. Um, it's uh, waste management time. Oh, boy. Wasted management time. Um, there's a uh, bunch of guys that aren't there, but there's a bunch of guys that are. Yeah. And they could run roughshod. Scotty Scheffler is just ever-present on the leaderboard these days. It actually isn't isn't a great look for the PGA Tour, however present he is. He won it a couple weeks ago, or a couple years ago, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So a mere top five placing for Scotty Scheffler pays out at two ten. That just seems like you're 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 exacting a tax. That that seems like a like a no brainer. Two ten on Scheffler to be a top five, and um, of course the famous sixteenth uh, yeah. stadium hole. I saw a retrospective on Tiger's ace there in 1997. Mm-hmm. And Tony Finau. Big billowy pants, too. Yeah. Remember, he raised the roof in celebrate. <laughs> T- Tony Finau, I think it was Tony Finau, might have been Max Homa, said, if you're going to get a hole in one anywhere, that's That'd the be spot it. to do it, right? Or, or it just spoke to how cool Tiger was, right? Like, 17 to TPC or that. Right. One. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> Tiger was so pumped up. His playing partner was Omar Uresti whose brother was his caddy, and Tiger is so pumped up, he said, I nearly broke Fluff's hand, his caddy at the time before Steve Williams, that Oresti's brother whispers to him, okay, just don't let him hurt your hand with the high five before the high five goes down. So Oresti sort of backpedals the hand for the high five. Uh, Tiger's going to play Riviera as a a playing host uh, coming up here in Los Angeles. So uh, good good to see him back on course. Uh, best bet, Sports Interaction best bet. Rasheed Rice, is, he's emerged as Kansas City's best wide receiver. I suspect that Travis Kelsey is going to get a lot of attention in the red zone from the 49ers based on the postseason that he's having. I don't love the San Francisco corners. They're good players, but I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them get beat, gets beat. 
I also think the safeties might be a little susceptible to a play over the top. So I'm going to go Rasheed Rice, anytime touchdown scored, pace 230. Scan that code, folks. Get a 200% welcome bonus from Sakaris and Price and Sports Interaction. Use your homegrown sports book and casino sports interaction. Bet local. Must be 19 years of Asian. Please play responsible. John Shannon coming up next. Joining us now is the former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada, the co-host of the Bob McCown podcast, the one and only John Shannon. Good day. How are you? Happy Wednesday, boys. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you hearing on the uh, trading market here, the deadline market, John? What's, what's fascinating? Tell me something that came by John Shannon's radar here after All-Star Weekend since we last talked on Friday. Then we'll get into the game, which I'm sure you saw with Elias Lindholm staking his claim here but before i talk about trades can you just imagine being and sitting beside jim rutherford and patrick alvin as he doesn't score one but scores two and they turn and look at each other and and go i love it when a plan comes together i mean i i just i can't imagine satisfaction They must just be pinching themselves. Really? Uh, at the same time, at the same time, they probably had a moment of panic because Kuzmenko scored first, of course, right? So there's a moment where they're like, "I don't want to deal with the PR hit of this if Kuzmenko goes off for the floor. and then their guy goes off and gets two. So yeah, okay, probably- except Cal- Calgary's on the outside looking in, you know, yeah. and Vancouver. You know, I, I, and I, I, I really think Flame fans are saying, "Well, hold on now, Zdorov's in Vancouver." And now Lindholm's in Vancouver, and you know, is, a, is there a potential of a third flame guy being in Vancouver? Why, why aren't we first in the Pacific? Why is Vancouver first in the Pacific? Why aren't we? And the answer to that, by the way, is that they're they're playing the right roles in Vancouver. Zadorov is a five-six; he plays that role perfectly in Vancouver. Lindholm uh, is a great second option after you look at. Uh, what Pedersen and Miller and, and, and Besser do in Vancouver. So uh, playing in the right position makes a huge difference for both of those players playing for the Canucks. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to the game in a second, but the, the reason I ask you the deadline question and uh, mentioned this on yesterday's show, it, it wasn't long ago, John, I think maybe our last hit before Christmas, where we were sort of bemoaning the fact that, okay, Columbus, Ottawa, and then Ana, uh, Anaheim, San Jose, Mm-hmm. And uh, Chicago, there may not be a, a a lot of sellers come the deadline. Well, fast forward here to early February and a, a month away tomorrow from the deadline. You know, Pittsburgh and Washington haven't made up much ground. Kuznetsov's now left the Capitals. Philly has lost their goaltender and they're starting to take on water. Calgary has made a get out trade. Doug Armstrong in St. Louis seemingly is always talking more about a, a larger plan in the future. Uh, you got Arizona that has uh, fallen off the map here. Minnesota hasn't made up ground. And even Nashville with Barry Trotz, where you wonder, is he satisfied just to get in as the last wild card? Like, I'm sitting here wondering, could we have a buyer's market by March 8th? We might, uh, which is why it was fascinating to see both Vancouver and Winnipeg go shopping as as quickly as they did. Um, and I, I think two teams that you talked about 
um, probably deserves some more consideration. Philadelphia being one, because I think Danny Briere is one of those guys that knows that his team is built for the future or building towards the future. Um, and Washington, I, I just don't know what Washington is anymore. Um, beyond trying to have Alex Ovechkin break Wayne Gretzky's record, there's not much there. Uh, and so you have to wonder uh, if they have a healthy goalie that they can move. You know, I, I have heard the name Charlie Lindgren a little bit around the NHL. Is he somebody that could provide a team with a quality backup goaltender? It's worth considering. Uh, so Washington, to me, I do not see Pittsburgh making any wholesale changes other than to try to find uh, a little bit of help for the core. Uh, and then the big question there, of course, is Jake Gensel. Is what do you do with Gensel if you can't get him signed? And can you afford to sign him? Um, you know, that what's going on in Pittsburgh is, is an absolute fascination because Kyle Dubas made the commitment to Sid Crosby to give this group one last kick at the can. Uh, and it hasn't paid off just yet. Might be early, but it hasn't paid off yet. And if you're going to try to build in the future, are you telling me Jake Gensel isn't part of that future? He, he's a very good goal scorer uh, and a quality person and a quality player. And I can't imagine seeing him leave town at this point. But you know what? They've got lots of money committed to older players, the oldest team in the league. That, to me, is an interesting one. Penguins and Devils are very much in it, though, aren't they? I mean, they've got games in hand on everybody above them. Um, yeah. it, you know, they'd be it'd be tempting, especially with the Devils being so injured and still hanging around. Now that they're getting a little healthier, you'd believe in yourself. And and the Penguins, hey, you've got those those guys. Uh, you'd have to believe in yourself too. And that goal differential is still showing me that that's a good. I team. mentioned the Penguins just because Dubas at one point cited the All Star game as uh, a signpost that yeah. he was going to look at. And so you're five Which out. he did every year he was in Toronto too, by the way. So, I mean, uh, so I, I, nothing's changed for Kyle that way. The, and the other thing about the Devils, guys, is is know that Tommy Fitzgerald, who got a new contract not that long ago, has been basically given license to improve the club. And, and that, to me, is a, a huge, huge factor in what the Devils do. And both of them coming off pretty impressive victories uh, on Tuesday night, Pittsburgh against the Jets and, and New Jersey without Jack Hughes against the Colorado Avalanche. I'm going to bring up the uh, late night game first to address the spectrum of the Canucks because that late night game was something else, the Oilers and the Golden Knights. Now the Canucks played a fabulous game too, a very playoffy game as well. But the other one was even more playoffy, I thought, and it gave is playoff sort of a, a word. Is playoff it, or it is now? It is now. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think Canucks fans have to be a little bit uh, just realistic about what's coming up in the playoffs when you watch that late night game. Great that the Canucks dealt with a, a very hot Carolina Hurricanes team last night and held on with a gritty performance in the final couple of minutes. But, man, I mean, if that's uh, that's our first big schedule night coming out of the All-Star game, John, it looks like teams have decided, okay, it's time to to play some real hockey here. Everybody uh, around the league has basically said the same thing in some form or manner, Blake. And that is, it's going to be a grind between now and mid-April. Mm -hmm. It is going to be 
close as close as we're going to get to playoff hockey, particularly in those divisional rivalries. Uh, I had a snicker uh, after the game where people in Vegas were saying, well, you know, we're so depleted. Well, they, did they have Eichel? No. Did they have Theodore? No. But when you can have a defense with Martinez, Petrangelo, McNabb, and White Cloud, you're going to be okay. And then Aiden Hill on top of that. That was as close to what we saw during the whole playoffs last year for the Golden Knights than we've seen all season. They will not give up. They w- they gr- are going to be relentless. Uh, we're going to see Edmonton Vegas in the first round. That might be the best news for the Canucks. Yeah. <laughs> Let them beat each other up, right? That might be the best news for hockey fans. That was an extraordinary game. Yeah. Um, it, it was fun. It, you know, it was it was it was if you're an Oilers fan, it was frustrating at times because you know, did did the big guns have opportunities? They had enough opportunities to win. Aiden Hill was great. I thought Stu Skeeter was really good too. I mean, it was a it, it was a classic hockey game, and particularly to have one in Super Bowl week in Vegas when there are lots of outsiders going to the game. That was kind of cool. Yeah. And in terms of the Canucks in Carolina, it was a heck of a game too. I mean. We're sitting there uh, talking about a heck of a game. Shots were 24-19, Carolina, Mm -hmm. a 3-2 game. Uh, Special teams, the order of the day with regards to the goals. And yet, um, Blake and I both talked about how that was, you know, different times last night. I mean, space was tight. There was some sloppiness because Carolina presses you so hard. And yet still uh, an edge-of-the-seat game where the Canucks blocked four shots in, what, the final 90 seconds to secure the victory. I think that line you you used, space was tight, was true probably in five of the eight games last night. You know, it, the, there was tight checking. There was it, it was close. Winnipeg Pittsburgh was similar. You get rid of the five minute major and the two power play goals. That's a one nothing game. And, and and Winnipeg did have enough opportunities to get the puck past Tristan Jari. Um, there are teams that have hunkered down now and are trying to focus on getting to the playoffs and preparing for the playoffs. And that's what we're going to see for the next eight weeks. It looked like Lindholm was pretty energized to be a Canuck. Like he was moving his feet and, and getting to those pucks and playing a tough game. I I think, uh, I think both players in that trade uh, last night felt like they were on uh, new leases on life. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, could, I mean I, I've never, I haven't watched Kuzmenko as closely as you have, but, but he's always got a smile on his face anyway. Um, you know, he's always a happy-go-lucky guy. So to be able to score a power play goal early on, I think will probably uh, be a good thing for him in a, in, with a Calgary team that really needs some offense. Um, at, at the same time, I also think there was something kind of cool for Lindholm to play his first game for the Canucks in Raleigh where he made his first impact. And, uh, you know, the, it, it, he may not be comfortable with his own teammates yet, but he would be comfortable in the environments of that arena. And that, to me, I think augured well for the Canucks. He, he looked so good. And by the way, um, name the forward for the Canucks that played the most minutes last night. <laughs> didn't actually uh, yeah, didn't look that, that up. Yeah. Who you, who you got? Number 23. Mm, yeah. He played more than better. He played more than Patterson. He played more than Besser. He played more than Miller. He was yeah, the he number did. one forward amongst all Canucks last night, which to me is a, a really good indication of his versatility for this hockey club. 
Yep. Played 21 minutes and one second uh, yeah. to lead all Canucks. Talk and trust him. Uh, it was uh, f- uh, five of 10 in the face-off circle. You mentioned oh, playoff yeah, That's auction. the other thing, you know, face-offs, 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 face-offs. If you can improve your, your face-off percentage uh, at this time of year, you're going to do the right thing. And, and, and he's yeah. going to help with that too. No, it's, it's funny you mentioned playoff hockey uh, having arrived because, you know, one of the things it's good thing. It's, it's a good thing. It's going to be competitive at the very least at the top of the Western conference, if not the Pacific division, like the Canucks are not free and clear in the Pacific division, because if you're talking, your team is on quite a peak right now. You got 32 more to go. You're, you're always worried, of course, about injury, but I think you also want to make sure you're peaking at the right time and, and don't feel like you're going through an exercise here um, at some point over the next 32 games. I, you know, I think we saw that just as recently as last year with Boston, who was so free and clear that, no. you know, the switch sort of, and the, foot wasn't fully on the gas and the next thing you know here comes a plucky florida panthers team in the first round of the playoffs to me that's sort of one of the big things that talk it has to guard against over these next couple of months yeah you're not wrong um but i think if you sat with rick and, and adam and, and sergey and mike yo and said uh, what needs to happen they're still talk- they're still dealing with process they're still dealing with making sure they play the right way every night there is enough room for improvement all the time uh, to uh, to allow this team to, you know, to, to, to be pressured by the coaching staff to be told, you know, we're not there yet. And I, and I think that's I think that's part of their success. He what he has done, what the staff have done is such an amazing job of pressing the right button at the right time. You know, I guarantee you they loved that game last night. The coaching staff they loved it. They loved every aspect of it. Contributions from the new guy, you know, the, the, the defensive aspect, Zadoros physical play. There were so many things that, you know, I would describe as quote unquote playoff hockey that, you know, now, now let's work on that. Let's hone that and see what happens the rest of the way. And by the way, Thursday in Boston, that'll be yeah. another good test because the Bruins were brutal last night. Absolutely. Brutal. Absolutely. Brutal. Let's uh, let's ask you our poll question then for the Canucks. Who would scare you most? Edmonton, Vegas, or nobody? Both. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I, I listen. This is how tight the Pacific has become. You know, when when the season started, we you know you know the world, including probably the three of us, had Edmonton and Vegas fighting for for yep. one. And they had, and, and I remember saying early, yeah, can the Canucks buy for a playoff spot? Certainly they can. But I did not expect them to be this. No one did. So when you look at what the Oilers have done with their turnaround, now winning 16 of their last 17, how's that? Um, and, and then you look at what Vegas has done. And by the way, Vegas, I think, is 6-1-1 one one in their last eight. You know, and we all think that they're, they're banged up. Um, you know, these two teams can play playoff hockey. The Canucks can play playoff hockey. All I know is the first two rounds in the Pacific Division are going to be raucous. And we're going to lament, lament the fact that, you know, we're going to lose two good teams in the first two rounds of the playoffs coming out of this division. Um, moving right along here. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
would they have the temerity to announce a relocation on Super Bowl Sunday, like to try and bury it as much as you can bury sports news? And what are you hearing? Because our friend Frank Saravelli's done some reporting here. It sounds like the Suns ownership group is not interested. So it doesn't sound like there's a local option there to buy and put the team in the basketball arena, which means new rink, which has all sorts of troubles or, uh, or uh, we're moving on. And Gary finally sounds exasperated by it, which is a huge bit of progress. I, I think there's a lot of people at the board level that are exasperated. Let's, let's remember, um, the other 31 owners have assisted this group to keep the team in Arizona. At a certain point, things change. At a certain point, rich people stay rich by saying we're not loaning money anymore. You know, mm-hmm. as an aside, um, you know, this is what happened in Carolina, too, was at a certain point, you know, Peter Carmanos was told, listen, pay us back or sell the team. Uh, nobody will admit that, but that's exactly what happened. Uh, I, I Do I think we're close to that? Um, I, I don't know if we're close to that yet. Do I think there's a deadline? Yeah, I do. I think there is a deadline. I don't think it's this. I don't think it's this Sunday. Yeah. Well, but <laughs> they blown through think, so many deadlines previously, John. Yeah. I mean, deadlines are almost uh, you know false. Yeah, but when you, here, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, two things occurred in the last two weeks to tell me that you know the end is near somehow, some way. When Marty Walsh, representing the players, says what he says about you know we can't play in a five thousand seat arena. And Ryan Smith in Salt Lake City says, we're ready and doors are open. We can do this because they have infrastructure with the NBA team and the MLS team there to, to help the corporate side and ticketing and, and all the other stuff. And they have an arena that can probably do 14-5 hockey right now at the Delta Center. Um, they don't do that without the commissioner's approval. That doesn't happen rogue. Ryan Smith did not go rogue. Marty Walsh did not go rogue. This, to me, is part of a strategy just to get it out there, to get discussions going, um, and to create awareness of what might happen before May 1st. We'll see. Uh, God willing. Lastly, uh, in our ongoing discussion about media and how fans will consume the games going forward, uh, ESPN, Fox, Warner Brothers combining their sports rights to launch a new streaming service, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal. I have to give him credit because this is something he's been talking about for a while with us, Shannon, and that is it's probably too big an ask for all of them to ask every consumer. You've got to have some sort of centralization there, more of a one-stop shop so that we're not uh, – being asked to sign up 20 bucks a month for yeah exactly for uh you know death by a thousand cuts streaming service subscriptions uh what do you make of that and how do you think that's going to change the way we're going to watch the games going? i I don't think it will change the direction of where we're going um this is how this is creating a trying to create a more level playing field with apple and amazon Mm-hmm. And, and, and both of those are making forays into sports. And because they have a, such a huge footprint, not just in North America, but around the world, um, they can create 
these types of uh, conduits to the fan much easier? You know, when you look at the size of what Apple TV is and the size of what Amazon Prime is, you know, they they make the other ones look small. It, it dwarfs so, ESPN, which has been the worldwide leader, as we know, for well, years. And, but and that's it. I mean, yeah. John makes right. a great point. By the way, Blake, Blake, Blake self-proclaimed. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, so that, to me, this to, to amalgamate these three or four, who knows by the end of it, what it, whatever it means, just is a logical conclusion to right. trying to compete against the, the guys who know how to stream better than anybody else. Right. And, and customer acquisition going at it individually was going to be more difficult. And it's right. not just Apple, it's uh, YouTube and their Sunday ticket deal. It's Amazon with Bally. So you're now, you're absolutely right, John. You're in the ring with some heavyweights, the likes of which you have not been in the ring with before yeah. so i mean um, and they you've got to be sitting in a boardroom in in bristol Connecticut or in new york city and be scared if those guys and if tim cook at apple decides he's going to spend a pittance of his right. money on rights fees they can beat you up badly yeah and bezos with amazon too i mean it's it's not right. actually dissimilar from the saudis going at the pga tour we can lose money for a long time here guys yeah, so you exactly. tell us how long you want to fight Here's um, what we need, though. Here's what we need, though. We need these guys to, you know, to invest in podcasts. We sure do. <laughs> I love it. Shannon. Can you say that louder, please? Uh, if you got a lead on that, Shannon, maybe we can bundle here with you. If you can land Bezos or you can land Cook, if you can get the meeting, Blake and I will make time. Uh, Title sponsorship is available here. I'll, I'll do my best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great stuff, John. Thanks for this. We'll catch up next week. Have a great week, guys. Let's take care of some price from Wall Center presentation, Apple at Auto Group. And Apple at Ford in Port Hardy has that cornerstone pickup that everybody wants and needs. The 2023 F-150s are still around. With financing starting from 0% on select trims, give them a call. Applewood Ford. Import Hardy. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today. Who scares you most in the Pacific Division? Edmonton, Vegas, or nobody? You can vote at Securison Price Twitter and YouTube. Let's get to hashtags the best and worst of Twitter.com. Uh, lead us off, Blake. Uh, I want to go in a certain direction. After. Okay. At B. Nightingale, MLB and Netflix are doing their own version of the NFL's hard knocks. Here we go, folks. They keep going. With Netflix spending the 2024 year with the Boston Red Sox for a docuseries while also producing a documentary on their historic 2004 World Series championship team. Um, that has got a lot of people questioning the decision on the particular team. Uh, reaction like this one at Mike Nash 15 being forced to spend the year with the 2024 Red Sox sounds like a punishment Yeah. at Jesse Spector. Even Red Sox fans don't want to spend a year with the 2024 <laughs> Boston Red Sox. Uh, and I've been doing some baseball reading and I, I bought one of these yearbooks and one of the anonymous scouts said, you know, they could be in last place in, for a while there. It's really gotten away from them in Boston. And uh, look, um, It's an iconic brand. It is. But get them in a better moment. Well, that's it. Like, And also, 
there has been a documentary on the 2004 Red yeah. Sox. Four Days in October was a tremendous film uh, where Kevin Millar really stands out with his, you know, don't let us get one. Because then we got Shill and then we got Petey going. Uh, Martinez in games two. And then anything can happen in game seven, right? As he warned us. And, and sure, like, I'm not sure what more you can add to no. four days in October. It was really detailed. Everything. I'm good. The Dave Roberts stolen base, the Big Poppy home run. And and also, like, Red Sox, Red Sox fans are pretty annoying for the rest of us. Yeah. Do we? Yeah. We don't need their lore. At Steve Ewan of the province, Hockey Canada takes shot at BCHL. For abundance of American players on rosters. So if you haven't heard, five Alberta Junior Hockey League teams, and really the better ones, have joined the BCHL, creating a 22-team Super League in Junior A hockey. As you may also know, the BCHL left Hockey Canada last year because of the way that the organization, uh, um, Hockey Canada, that is, sourced uh, player recruitment in a lot of ways. Yeah. Hockey Canada released a statement, I guess to support their member, Alberta Junior Hockey League, which is now down five teams, and had a colossal snit fit after this happened to the point of canceling games where they note their priority is to provide Canadian athletes with opportunities to participate in our national winter sport, and went on to note that 23.7 of BCHL rosters are American players. There's also some Europeans mixed in. So it works out to about 71% of the players are Canadian. So nearly three in four BCHL players are Canadian. I'm okay with that. First of all, I'm okay with that. Yeah, me too. Second, Hockey Canada, maybe get your own shit in order <laughs> before you go out and criticize. A, like, you know, read the room. Yeah. Look at the timing of all of this. Look at the bigger story that's in the headlines. And maybe STFU. Well, also, like... Like, nobody wants to hear from you, uh, let alone any kind of sanctimony from you. And that's your purview, is to... Uh develop hockey for Canadians. That's the whole point of the BCHL going private, fully private. They can do whatever the hell they want. And raising the level of hockey by bringing in people of other nationalities right. is actually better for the 71% Canadians that are in that right. league. And here's the other thing, Hockey Canada. There's a lot of parents out there that don't want their kids riding buses between Prince Albert and Portland. They're not comfortable with what happens on those buses and what doesn't happen on those buses. And so they provided an alternative in Canada for a kid to play a high level of junior hockey and still be eligible for an NCAA scholarship, which at the end of the day is going to benefit more kids because let's face it, most of them aren't going to be professional hockey players anyways and are going to need some sort of educational underpinning to go forward in their careers, most of them. Out of hockey. So much so that now we're looking at CHL players getting to the NCAA because people realize that's a gap. And I think these two stories are interrelated. I think the CHL is like 
if they're going to break off, like we should, we should return fire here and get I, our it, people eligible. Um, it, it, the hockey Canada myopia here, the not seeing the forest through the trees, yeah. is staggering. Yeah, like new leadership in a big way. There, you need a full rethinking here. Well, they've got to the way you, now. Well, but yeah. you need a full rethinking in terms yeah. of the way you go about communicating. Well, when you're the shining house on the hill, but they're not you, anymore. You can make all no, those but that's calls. it. Yeah. They think they're still the shining house on the hill. Yeah, and they're not. At CTV News, news even going down to this, oh, the journey to our Olympic roster starts with these World Championships this summer, which Strager reported on Insider yeah. Trading. You know, if you're a fringe guy, yeah, you better think about participating in the worlds this year. Oh, really? Well, I mean, never never hurts. SCTV News, Newfoundland Curler breaks record with return to the Briar 35 years Love later. This it. breaks the, the record by 10 years. He beat Gushu? Alex Smith is his name. And, uh, yeah, he's had a tough go since he went to the Briar all those years ago. He was 23 years old at the time. 35 years old. So we're talking the... 89 Briar? Yeah. Oh, my God. Was he up against Eddie the Wrench? He beat Randy Furby. He went seven and four. Randy Furby. Did he beat Al Hackner? (laughs) I don't have his game lock. Did he beat Pat Ryan? Um, So, yeah, Gushu kind of dominated tournament play from there on in. Yeah, Gushu was pretty big there in Newfoundland. But, I mean, it's kind of amazing. You go seven and four as a 23 year old at the Briar. And then never get back. And three and a half decades later, you get back. Wow. So I might be Team Newfoundland Labrador at the uh, <laughs> at the Briar. Good for Alex Smith. At Oren Weisfeld, Canada Basketball has released its 12-woman roster for this month's Olympic qualifying tournament from February 8th to 11th in Sopran, Hungary. Uh, Nokia Nurse, she is out with an injury. In fact, she was just traded in the WNBA to the Los Angeles Sparks. Aislinn Ace Koenig from Langley is the sole British Columbian, NC State's all-time leading scorer. We Mm -hmm. had her on the show a a number of years ago. She was one of the uh, players affected by COVID. You may remember when that abrupt stop to all, because it happened right in the middle of tournament season for NCAA basketball. The first game for Canada is Thursday in a pool with Hungary, Spain and Japan, and three of these four teams are going to advance to the Paris Olympics. It would be an utter shame, given how we're progressing as a basketball nation, if the women's team did not qualify for Paris. I suspect they can finish in the top three here. Yeah. Please let that be. Uh, At PR underscore NHL, statistical update. As part of the ongoing effort to provide the most accurate statistical accounting possible of NHL games, the league has performed a comprehensive audit of the hits statistic in every oh game this season. Oh my god! And made appropriate adjustments. The newly updated season totals are reflected on NHL.com and in the league's statistical releases as of today. And so like. I, I've got two things to say about this. Uh, great is the first one. Second, why just the hits? Mm-hmm. Like, why was this sort of prioritized oh, by but the NHL? Like we, we, as we all know, hits was the greatest. Hits was the one we really needed. Well, it's, it's a day late and dollar short for guys like Brendan Morrow, who averaged 20 hits a game mm-hmm. on their home ice 
for some reason. Brendan Witt and Washington would finish games with like 13 hits. Yeah. You know how many shot prop parlays I've lost because the NHL has gone back and taken away a shot from me? Well, even last night's game, um, it was the uh, Vegas Oiler game I was watching. There's a there's a, sh- a shot late in the game yeah. where even with replay, the the play by play crew was like, I think that's glove crossbar and up over the glass, but they're like, don't know, like it, like, like so does that for for the betters? Does that are they going to count that as a shot? If if it hits the glove, it's a shot. If it doesn't, it's not. So, pretty tough to get right. I'm out. You're out. I'm out. Hashtag for today. Joined now by the national sports editor of the Daily Hive and its offside sports vertical, Rob the Hockey Guy on Twitter, Mr. Rob Williams, back with Sakarison Price. We missed you last week. Good to hear your voice. Good to see you again. I know. I mean, I, I kind of wish that we, I was back on my old on the Fridays, and so we could have talked about uh, mm. Buble and the mushrooms and the, right. so much. There was so, so much. much Rob content there. Right. Oh. Are you microdosing right now? <laughs> I am not. <laughs> Uh, what did you make of the new guy last night? I, I mean, I feel like I'm microdosing a little bit watching the Canucks these days because it just everything continues to roll forward. And, and uh, you know, Kuzmenko goes to Calgary. Of course, he scores in his first game. Like, Canucks fans are, are used to that, but not Elias Lindholm coming in. Two goals for, for the new team, uh, both on deflections, which I think is significant. I, I think we, you know, Heard a lot of talk about what Lindholm brings to the table. I didn't hear a lot of, uh, oh, he's going to deflect a lot of shots into the net. Um, and that's key because, you know, that's his role on the power play, right? I know there's there's movement involved, but he's generally going to be, you know, whether it's either, he's going to be in the middle somewhere, right? He's either going to be sliding into the bumper, uh, which he can do well, or he's going to be in front of the net uh, tipping pucks. And uh, so far, so good, um, you know, with his with his uh, insertion into the lineup. And then if he has enough fun, maybe he resigns. If they have enough dollars committed, do you think it's it's possible even before the season ends that they extend him, or do you think that's going to be a, an off-season thing to, to look at? A sense is probably, probably it'll be off-season just because they've got so many players to deal with and so many contracts. So you probably want to get a sense of, where everyone is is fitting in but uh, you know while saying that you generally tackle the big contracts first and and fill in the rest right so I, yeah i think it's possible I, I i i don't know if we'll see him re-sign in vancouver but i think they probably like to see him play a few games see how he fits in and and if he you know agrees to a dollar figure and a, and a term that they're okay with and then then who knows Something, Rob Williams, that I'm quite certain we have never talked about, and I'm not sure we have talked about it writ large here in Vancouver for, well, a decade plus. Talk it recently, talking about Mm -hmm. the players buying into their own hype and all the positivity flowing from the Vancouver media. Media's too positive. About this team. (laughs) 
We've That's heard cute. this so often. <laughs> We're sick of this toxic positivity around surrounding the team. Right. You know, exactly. Dragging this team down. That's uh, why nobody wants well, to sign here, Rob. It's too positive. <laughs> Rob, they can't lose their edge here, okay? Stop reading those press clippings, listening to all those podcasts that are talking about how great you are. <laughs> you know, in saying that, like, we're having a laugh, but, like, I mean, I, I get where he's coming from, and I think it's maybe not necessarily the Canucks media he's, he's talking about, but, you know, the national media is embracing this, this Canucks team as well. It's certainly around, you know, you, you send six players to all-star weekend in Toronto. Uh, you know, you're, I could see talk. It's, uh, you know, concern, I guess, in, in terms of players reading their own press clippings and time after time, after time this season, we have seen this team not get too high, you know, in games where you think, geez, they're going to overlook this team. Uh, you know, where maybe Canucks teams in the past would start patting themselves on the back and, and lose their edge. This Canucks team does not seem to do that. Talk, it won't let them. <laughs> it seems to be what they're doing. So, I, yeah, I mean, you know, I think he's the coach of the year this year, you know, barring something uh, unforeseen down the stretch. And he's, I think he's done a masterful job of kind of always finding something like not being satisfied and always finding something to kind of key in on, um, you know, and, and being really mindful of, of, of the Canucks, not getting too high, not getting too low and just, you know, the, the old cliche one game at a time, but it's true. Right. One, one well, thing. And also, you know, you got recent examples of great Tampa and Boston teams to lose in the first round. And, you know, this sport is a little different than the others in that you see eight seeds beating one seeds That's true. in the first round. So I, I think he understands one of the battles going forward here is to not lose the edge and to not, you know, peak now as opposed to. And, and the problem with, with losing even a little bit of the edge here, guys, is you look at their schedule over the, over the, let's just go the unbeaten streak here. The, the uh, 12 games without a loss. Show me the game where the other team was just not into it, was terrible, didn't play the Canucks well at all. I mean, you could I, – I honestly, I don't know that there is one. They're getting everybody's A game. Nobody wants to be embarrassed by a team that they know scores a lot of goals. Every team is kind of emptying their tank mm -hmm. against the Vancouver Canucks these days. They have had to work for every one of these points. Yeah, there's no secrets around them now. They're not catching people by surprise anymore. I mean, I think people, the whole league, the whole league knows it. And you know, like I say, like you send six players to the All Star game, you you get the league's attention. If not, you know, not for the fact that they're you know winning all these games and seeing them at the the top of the standings. They had all those laughers in the first two months of the season, and they've not had any laughers lately. Yeah, I mean, you go into Carolina and outshoot them like they they did last night and go in there and, and secure a win in a in a tight i think that's the, the the thing that's so impressive about a game like that is it's a tight checking affair it's a game that you the type of game you you know it's not a playoff game but it, like more along those lines it's, this is not like a freewheeling six five win that we've maybe you know when the canucks would win you know under boudreaux it was kind of back and forth trading chances fire wagon hockey we're not seeing this team do that you know they have the ability to to blow a game wide open but they also have the ability to to win these low scoring tight checking affairs and 
you know, if you want to, if you want to go far in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you have to be able to win different kinds of ways. And I think we're seeing that with this, with this Canucks team. Yeah. And people talk about how their schedule is tough the rest of the way. And that is true based on the quality of opponent. They also have nine consecutive home games from March. They get back to Vancouver March 7th from Vegas. They don't leave the city again until April 17 of their final 20. And of course their record at home has been so sublime that, you know, that'll be a test too, in terms of just, you know, are, are you going to get bored? Are you going to take things for granted? But Do you feel like you've got easy two points? As somebody pointed out on social media, though, every one of the games for the rest of the way is against uh, teams below them in the standings. So th- that's good. <laughs> Took me a sec. <laughs> Took me a sec. Uh, Rob, uh, moving along here, the odds makers, uh, they still ain't buying the Canucks. <laughs> Yeah, the Canucks are getting disrespected a little bit here, right? Like this is a the number one team in the NHL, and they're not, you know, they they've been that for a little while, and they're not close to number one on the on the Stanley Cup odds. And you know, take with that what you will. For me, this is, you know, a testament to how difficult their path is out of the Pacific Division. And if you look at where they like who they have to be like you know you're gonna have to go through Edmonton or Vegas maybe both if you don't finish first uh that's a really tough path and I I think that the odds reflect that where you know obviously the Oilers are on the terror right now and and they're kind of the the darlings for a lot of sports books you know is the Pacific Division the toughest path to the to to the cup like I I think the the Atlantic division for, for a few years has been that with, you know, with Toronto and Boston and Tampa, but you know, Boston's not what they were. Tampa's not what they were. I, I, you know, the, the Leafs are, I think you can poke some holes in them. Uh, I do think that the Pacific division is probably the, the, the toughest route to, to the Stanley cup. Well, you say the Boston, it it would take some chutzpah on talk it with his history. If he created a, uh, a uh, slight on the odds maker now, wouldn't it? Yes, right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it would be a little bit of irony. Gentlemen, <laughs> the odds makers have you seventh choice. I've been trying to bet you guys up, but uh, um, you say Boston's not what they were. They, I mean, still pretty darn good. Uh, we'll find out tomorrow. They laid an egg versus the flame, so they'll want to erase that. Um, but it turns out any attempt to rekindle this Canucks Bruins rivalry has water poured onto it in the All Star Weekend by Andrew Ference of all people, former Bruin, faced the Canucks way back when, and now he's saying no, he wants the Canucks to win. He lives in BC. He would like all of his neighbors to be happy now. He says. Yeah, our uh, uh, Adam Lascaris, uh, who's our. Daily Hive sports writer out of Toronto was at uh, doing a lot of great work at the All Star Weekend and and caught up with Andrew Ference and and uh, yeah he kind of he asked him about uh, the uh, the you know the the Canucks pretending to lift the Stanley Cup but that that's kind of how the, the, this all came came about and uh, you know you have to re- read the piece to get the update on 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 that part but yeah in terms of Ference living in BC, living on Vancouver Island, says that 
he'd love for the Canucks to win the Stanley Cup. I don't know if he'd like them to, to win over the Bruins or not, but that's right. Yeah. It, you know, he's showing a bit of a soft spot for it. And and to me, this is like, is this the official end of the, of the Canucks Bruins rivalry? I, I'm not sure, but it, obviously it's, it's fizzled a bit in 2011. Obviously, you missed Thatcher Demko snubbing Jeremy Swayman <laughs> and JT Miller dissing Jeremy Swayman at All-Star Weekend, Rob. That's what I'm hoping, that something on the ice happens tomorrow to reignite this sucker based on Miller and Demko and the and Swayman at All-Star Weekend. I, I, I feel shame now for getting the, uh, the, that amazing content of Demko snubbing the hug that was that was excellent excellent work oh uh <laughs> you had a hell of a weekend rob uh, and adam and everybody at the daily hive good, and, contest. And offside. good yeah, contest no it was right up your alley and you're right up ours thanks for this we'll catch up next week thank you Secure some price from Wall Center presentation. Apple at Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Well, BC Lions were busy on Tuesday. Were they ever? Resigned middle linebacker Ben Hladek, the Vernon native, former UBC Thunderbird. He had 100 tackles last year as a starting Canadian player. And as we talked about with Rick Campbell on Tuesday, I mean, they have Canadian quality and bringing Ben Laddick back with retains. Would they ever go three Canadians? What? At linebacker? Well, I mean, your third linebacker isn't playing as much anyway. I mean, it's yeah. effectively a glorified DB, so it's hard to find that profile of Canadian right. player. Yeah. The, the two more traditional off-ball I guess you could call them inside linebackers, but one sort of plays outside. Uh, so, Matthias Bats is yeah. now the big fish there, right? He's the best free agent available as we record this in the Canadian Football League. Campbell told us they had a way to fit Laddick and Betts cap-wise, but um, you, you do wonder the longer it goes, I think, the more concerned I would be. Well, a bigger concern is that did Stanbeck just get his money? Then there's that. William Stanback from the Montreal Alouettes was the highest paid running back in the Canadian Football League last year. And what I like about this is that over the last couple of years, the Lions running game has not really been very good. Certainly not very consistent. Not a threat, not a weapon. They got the... strangely good numbers. Was it two years ago? No. Last... Three years ago. Whatever. Yeah. And... Um, wasn't a weapon in the playoffs, and that was a big difference between them and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who, by the way, yesterday had them a day, you know, getting all over and shown back. So, you know, for the most part, when you would ask that question of Rick Campbell in the last couple of years, you would get some pushback. Well, our short passing game really works as our running game. Yesterday, Campbell told us we are definitely in the market for a running back, and then shortly thereafter, they signed... You know, maybe the best guy in the Canadian football. He's a two-time All-Star. Mm-hmm. He's rushed for more than 3,700 yards and 11 touchdowns over 62 games with the Alouettes. And here's the thing I love about him most. Six foot two thirty-three, Coming downhill. That's a big boy. So can you play power football now? Not that it's a big thing in the CFL, but it's good to have in those cold-weather November playoff games. 
Now, if you do your business, you win the West, you get the Great Cup and the West Final at home, you, you may not have to play in the conditions. But if you do have to go to Winnipeg again, or for God's sakes, Regina, because they've been pretty good here in free agency. But how much faster and harder is he playing in climate control where he knows he's got footing? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I think it's just a great asset. Yeah. And so now you cross your fingers on bets. Uh, south of the border, how about this? Our friend Captain Greg Bell breaks the story that the Seattle Seahawks are interviewing UCLA head coach, former Eagles and University of Oregon head coach Chip Kelly, to be their offensive coordinator. Chip Kelly said some things about the direction of college football towards the end of this season that sounded like a disgruntled guy who didn't want to adapt with the NIL and transfer portal times that we see, not to mention a new conference that UCLA is going to in the Big Ten. The head coach at Boston College just left to be the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator, and he said, I'm sick of being a sales, I'm paraphrasing, I'm sick of being a salesman to our rich alumni about how much money we have to raise to get some of these really? kids in the portal. Uh, I mean, there would have been a time that leaving UCLA as the head coach for an NFL offensive coordinator job would have been, you know, no one would have done that. But apparently he's got a fair bit of interest. At one point he had a most innovative offense, that turbo-paced offense at Oregon that kept everybody off pace, didn't allow the defense to substitute got Oregon to a national championship game. Uh, It didn't work out as well in Philadelphia. It's hard to play that way. You can't just out-athlete overwhelm people in the NFL. It's a little bit He's one of those guys that was was so plain to see why his college system didn't work. To me, it was uh, less, you know, uh, a little easier to explain than some of the other guys that couldn't make the joke. Exactly. Um, But he's a really um, interesting offense of mine and, and quite a name there. For the Seahawks, of course, Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator of the Giants, was someone they interviewed for their head coaching job. So we'll see how that shakes out. Still a very quiet Super Bowl week here, huh? I, it's hard to believe that we're into the second week here. Like this feels like first week, uh-huh. sort of stuff. Like very quiet. I haven't seen anybody say anything outlandish, really. I mean, they tried to. They had a a big. Um... Like I don't know, rally last. I don't know. Is that always the thing? They sold like thirty thousand seats last night. To both teams sort of talked to the crowd and stuff like that. It's sort of like a public media day. Um, I'd never seen that before. But again, not really anything came out of it per se. Where's the Moj to ask the hard hitting questions? Well, I've, I've I've been following the Moj, uh, and and in fact uh, doing nice videos with uh, Nick Kowalski, our buddy from the Lions. He was, uh, and uh, the Moj was also talking hockey with some of the hockey fans. JJ Watt, Bill Cower. Yeah, yeah. I saw him with Nate Burleson, who's a Canadian, if you're not uh, familiar. is done does great work with, uh, well, CBS and CBS This Morning. He's moved over from the NFL Network and has been that dual threat guy like Michael Strahan. Asking Tiki Travis Barber. Kelsey about Zach About Zach Caleros. Yeah, Zach Caleros is very close with the uh, Kelsey family. They played together at the University of Cincinnati. Uh, he has been spotted in the box with Taylor Swift. During Strain. the playoffs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, let's hope for a good game on Sunday. I, I off off cam. I don't think he'll he'll uh, take exception to me sharing this. I I said to Claros, I said you should tell uh, Travis that you know she's a bit of a heartbreaker, right? Like she's she's broken a lot of hearts over the time. You know, just 
tread carefully here. He's going to fall for her. He's like, I think he's going to be okay. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I think Travis is going to be okay. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure much is going to get him down. No. No, it's true. But remember, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's All me. All right. Very good. Taking some self-ownership. Not bad. Not bad. Well, and the other thing is, is... Now, Grady, you may know, when we listen to her, I'm forever asking Carmen, who's this one about? Like, which ex is this one about? Usually Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. uh, It's quite the list, I must say. Who's the other one? Um, Uh, John Mayer. John Mayer. Mm. So she's able to identify the Gyllenhaal Mayer songs for me. But others are a little more gray area, more nebulous, right? Mm -hmm. No wonder the teenagers like her so much. Can relate. I'm not sure it's going to be very um, covert if it's a Kelsey song somewhere down the road, right? Like Kelsey kind of stands out. They're all they all kind of well, stand out. but there's going to have to be if she comes close to singing anything about football, we'll all know the score there, who she's talking about. Yeah, maybe. See, she she keeps things. Kind of vague. No, though. but th- that's my point, yeah. is that I don't really know when I listen to songs who it is, not that I have the roster beside me of who she's dated, um, but even a super fan like My Better Half can really only specify a couple. I'm sure there are some internet sites that can point you in the right or wrong direction here. Okay, poll question results from Tuesday. Uh, we asked you... Do you want the Canucks to spend more assets for all-in trades? Blake, we were talking, okay, they've made one big all-in trade. Basically, do you want depth trades or do you want to just go for it here, another all-in trade? Yeah. 1,500 votes, what do the people say? People said it was a yes, no, do you want to spend? Do you want the Canucks yeah. to spend the assets for another all-in trade? Uh, enthusiasm or restraint? Enthusiasm, yes. No. Oh. It was very close. Yeah, good. Fifty-two point four percent to seventy forty-seven point six percent. Grady and Madison are playing Taylor Swift in the. Yeah, well, can you hear that? Can you just, hear that? There's this comedian that wrote a song as if they broke up. Oh, oh really? <laughs> yeah, and it's actually quite yeah, good. I, that's good. Good concept. I, I like it. I think uh, we'll break copyright rules though if yeah. we play it. Yeah. Let me just read I, a couple of lyrics. Yeah, we made it to the 50, and then you kiss me. We made it to the 40, a new love story. We made it to the 30, and then you did me dirty. Right then, you put the end in tight end. I think it one's about Travis Kelsey. You don't say. That's not bad. I, uh, I do agree with Brock Besser. Did you see what Besser said about her? No. She's the lyricist of our time? Yeah, kind of. Love the Cow and Cowherd rant. If you haven't heard the Cow and Cowherd rant about the people that are upset about how much screen time you get, oh my god, you've got to go listen like, to the Cow and Cowherd. You have to have rant. a pathetic existence if you are complaining about that. She averages twenty four seconds of screen time <laughs> per game. Twenty four seconds, and there are people writing diatribes about these twenty four seconds. How did this become politicized? Uh, it's well, she's getting people to vote, so that's that's why. As for comments on the poll, uh, mismanaged. I don't think an all-in trade is necessary or advisable. We saw some of that 
What else do you want to improve here, guys? Well, going back to like no. Frank Cervelli was often Fair saying, point. you you know, you're a really good team right now. Be a really good team for a while. Save some of these assets for either yep. future trades or for those guys to develop yeah. and jump into your lineup. Yeah. Right? Go spend a fifth and a sixth round draft pick and get a depth forward and a depth defenseman. Well, on YouTube, no one convincingly, sixty nine percent. Yeah, very nice, by the way. Um, top comments: Add depth. No more blockbusters. Risk messing with the chemistry of the lineup. Chester, we may need an upgrade on the Zamboni driver. Other than that, don't mess with the team chemistry too Not much. Bad. People were and worried. We've seen that. We've heard that a lot. But, but honestly, back. people were worried about that with the Lindholm trade. And look what look what the early dividends are. That's there. true. You know, like when you're better, you're better. Yeah. Except though, the chemistry. If you want to go back to that, Kuzmenko was you know yeah. dragging them down. So right, it's he, a net he's positive. a great guy driving it. <laughs> Don't drag them down. Chris yeah. says they already started to blow the future with the direction they took going into the season. Don't stop halfway. Go out and get a cup. And Smooth Media, a.k.a. do you want the Canucks to actually try to ever win a Stanley Cup? Yeah, that's the that's way right. some people that's right. read it. I just don't see them going into the playoffs with Neil Zaman as one of your 12 forwards. Well, or even- uh, we, we talked about it after the Lindholm trade. Because it cost you Kuzmenko, it was actually you're actually flat in terms of the number of forwards you have. And do you really trust Linus Carlson or Phil DiGiuseppe right. to be your next forward up? So that's why I would think you're going to see at least a depth forward here. If not, perhaps another swing yeah. on a forward. Yeah. Uh, errors and omissions. Grady, you have something to self-report. Yes, I wrote uh, shoot when I meant to say out of the shoot, and I wrote it S-H-O-O-T. Uh, omnims. One of the can't take the hockey out of the boy. Yeah, <laughs> something about my brain chemistry there. Mm-hmm. Just all right. Good, good self-reporting. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder: subscribe to us, Canucks Conversation, Rinkwide Vancouver, wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook. Of course, we're live on Facebook each and every morning, eleven thirty Pacific. And of course, support those community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.